The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. Timmy Q, Tim Quigley, what is up? Welcome to the podcast. So uh, is this your first podcast? Happy to be here. This is, I am a podcast virgin no longer as of today, so... Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I got into this stuff a year ago. I was a guest on a few a few years ago, and I thought, I want to get into this podcast stuff. So, yeah, it's been fun with, uh, you know, talking with different people. I talked to your brother, Ryan, the other day. Yeah, I actually, I, ha- I know that you got that up. I haven't actually listened to it yet, so I can't. <laughs> I'd love to give you some hot takes based on his, his ideas, but I got nothing for you there. At least not yet. No worries. It went up last night. You can check that out later, but let's get let's get started. So, Talking some NHL first, have you been keeping up with those series and watching that of late? I know uh, Vegas and Dallas played last night. I saw, I think, the first period. Uh, I think the last time I remember looking at the score, it was one nothing, and I think that's the way it stayed. So uh, I haven't actually, I've been really bad. The last couple of nights, I've been falling asleep halfway through the games. I feel that. So... <laughs> But, you know, like, I've been so used to, like, starting my hockey ritual at, like, noon or three that now that, like, we're back to, like, eight or seven, I feel like I got spoiled and then yeah. had to come back to reality. Definitely, yeah. So, I uh, I don't know. I'm trying to remember the last week. I Because I've been watching baseball, too. So, I mean, there's certain games I've been kind of catching a little bit of. But I, uh, I cannot – I mean, the Dallas Avalanche – series i thought the abs were going to take that and then they looked like they were going to come back and then dallas finished them off in game seven i did not i mean at game seven you can't really predict that but i no. <laughs> just cannot believe the stars have been doing what they're doing but i mean that's just kind of the randomness of this entire thing too kind of think yeah, something like that would happen if it's taught me anything it's that i'm just going to stop making predictions public or private because mine are never good at this point i i had the uh, the Avs winning the winning the cup on my on my bracket and now I guess go Tampa. So I know because I, I mean I know I know you're a Rangers fan so I know you're not rooting for the Islanders and the funny thing to me is uh, the funny thing to me is of the four teams Vegas, Dallas, Tampa Bay, and New York. Uh, you know Vegas they're all kind of big markets. Tampa Bay is kind of unusual obviously, but they're a big hockey market now. They've been a really good team the last few years, but. It's kind of funny because I don't think anybody really wants Dallas or the Islanders, even though you're talking about Dallas, Texas, and New York, but it's the wrong New York team. It's not the Rangers. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's one of those situations where I'm looking at it and I'm like, all right, like I kind of expected Tampa to be here, but I didn't expect the Islanders to be here. I didn't expect the Stars to be here. Um, to be quite honest with you, I was a little surprised the Knights are still still in it. They were maybe not always the the most steady looking team down the stretch, but yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a scene that I didn't think I'd I'd see this season, not not for sure. I guess with the Islanders, it's funny because they kind of remind me of Columbus, just in that whole defensive first type mentality. And but Trotz is, you know, it'd be kind of funny if it was Trotz against Vegas again. <laughs> I mean. It would be funny if he just was their Apollo Creed, um, where like they just kept running into him, and you know you beat him the second time maybe, but the I think yeah. I don't know. I think I'm rooting. I'm definitely rooting for Tampa at this point, but 
I think in the West, if I had to pick somebody, like I don't really have any love or hate towards the stars, but I, I don't know. I think I think Same. I dislike yeah. Ryan Reeves personally enough that I got a root for <laughs> Dallas in that series. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I saw that hit Friday. You know, with Vegas, with their goaltending, I mean, obviously, Leonard is a beast. Flurry has been a beast, kind of struggled this year, but he started last night against Dallas, only gave up one goal, so obviously just didn't have the support offensively. Yeah. But it's funny, a lot of people were like, why did the Blackhawks trade Leonard? But nobody saw this playing out the way it did. They weren't supposed to be a playoff team. Uh, they were gonna have to move somebody most likely and Crawford's a free agent now but you know it's it's just funny how it's easy to play Monday morning quarterback now especially before before the pause and then you had the the bubble and everything playing out the way it did but uh talking about goaltending it reminds me also of Braden Holpe he's gonna be a free agent now and I just wonder what's in his future because you look at guys like Bobrovsky last year getting a big deal. Uh, you know, I wonder who's going to pay that. I think, uh, and I made this, I made this com- this comment to somebody else as well. That you know, if if for some reason uh, it was originally a comment about Henrik Lundqvist, and they were saying, well, where you know, if he didn't stay in New York, where would he go? I was like, well, you'd want to go to a Cup contender, probably. So Colorado, and I think if if not, you know, Henrik Lundqvist. I think there's no reason that Holtby wouldn't be lured to Colorado. That seems to be like the one thing that they're missing is like one really solid, you know, uh, netminder that they can have a lot of confidence in consistently. Yeah, the Avalanche have got Philip Grubauer, who has one year left on his deal. He got injured in that first game in their series against the Stars, which kind of seem to turn the abs upside down a little bit, but it would be funny if Holpe went out to Colorado and reunited with his old teammate. You know, you never know. I mean, especially in the NHL, it's so weird the way guys like come back to teams and the way guys kind of reestablish themselves with, with groups and other cities that they were with previously. So it's always interesting that way. You never know. We could always see a move. I mean, the Blues traded Jake Allen to Montreal. So that was kind of interesting too. Yeah, I mean... Especially with, um, you know, with Seattle coming into the fold, you know, no reason not to have a, a healthy bullpen of goalies, I don't think, at this point. Cause, and, I mean, that's another option, yeah. too. You look at, like, somebody like Braden Holtby could go and play in Seattle and, and probably thrive. Because I would assume, I was talking about this last night, I would assume that the NHL is probably going to give them the same sweet deal that they gave the Knights probably. on their restrictions for the expansion draft. So I would assume that we're going to see uh, at least a playoff-worthy Seattle team. Yeah, probably. I'm really curious to see how that plays out, too. I I kept thinking, I wonder who their coach will be, because I, I mean, before Joel, Joel uh, Quinville went to Florida, I was like, oh, he'd be perfect for, like, Seattle, probably. It would also be funny if Gerard Gallant or someone like that ended up in Seattle, but I think he'll be with another team before that. I think uh, Milbury will probably look and be looking for a new job pretty soon. Maybe he's interested. He's got he's got such a great freaking history with uh, you know team management. That reminds me. Did you see where Pierre Maguire was? Uh, I guess interviewing for the Coyotes GM job. Oh my God! Can't that organization catch a break? That's well, like, you know what? It's- that's like finding out that they. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's so disapp- that's so disappointing. <laughs> 
At least it'd be awesome. You know, it's funny. Arizona, so I thought they were kind of like starting the trend upward. They got, you know, uh, Phil Kessel, but Taylor Hall. They had this young, analytic, heavy, savvy GM who was like 29. He's gone. I don't know what happened. No one knows what happened there. But uh, Moneyball so, stopped yeah, being so, a popular movie. That's what happened there. I, I guess. <laughs> they br- they brought him into, oh, no, it's a great movie. But like they, I mean, you and I talked about this before. They brought him in to be the Billy yeah. Bean of hockey. And then the the coyotes still kind of shit the bed. So I don't I don't know. It's funny because I think we were talking about this when we were watching games back in like August. But I think he was in. He was not in on the Taylor Hall extension talks. They were like, we're not going to let you be in part of this. And then all of a sudden, it's yeah, he's probably out. And then they were making it sound like he did them wrong. When it sounds, who knows? I don't know who did what, but. Uh, Maybe he'll catch on somewhere else. I don't know what exactly went, went on down there in Arizona. <laughs> if it was Toronto, we'd know all about it, but it's Arizona, so you can kind of hide it. I mean, the, I feel like the league thinks that the the less you hear about Arizona, probably the better, because it's really good news. No, I just like, I was I was explaining to my mom recently, actually, like the, the turmoil that that franchise has gone through in the last 20 years. And she was like, why are they even trying? And I didn't have an answer for her. I was <laughs> like, at <laughs> least back in the day, you could look at like the Kings when they, you know, when they traded Gretzky yeah. down to LA and you could say like, well, they were trying to grow hockey in like a big, you know, Southern California market. But like, honestly, like, why did anybody ever want to put hockey in Phoenix? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and I don't even know what's still even going on with their whole uh, arena fiasco, everything with that. But uh, yeah, we were talking on our, our uh, Canon Cast pod last week. We were talking about guys like Taylor Hall and one of our other guys was like, maybe he signs like a one year deal with like the Avalanche, win that cup, and then be, still be a big time free agent and get that money. I mean, would you rather sign a big time deal with whoever's going to throw you the money or try to win that cup and still cash in like a year later? Uh, I think it, I think it all depends on, on where you're at in your career. I think, you know, yeah, I mean, I think it depends on, you know, you look at a, you know, you look at a guy like Joe Thornton, who is, you know, if, if nothing else in 2020, let Joe Thornton catch a break because that guy has been chasing cups since before it feels like before we were born, but um, so in, in that situation, you know, I think you chase the cup, but if you're a guy that, you know, thinks that you can establish yourself as a, as, you know, a corner piece of a team, that's going to eventually be, you know, a real contender, you know, it's, it's, it's all about kind of how you hedge your bets. And I think it's how teams kind of market themselves to those players too. You know, like if you can get a player to buy in to, you know, give us three years to work and we're going to get to the finals, uh, as opposed to like begging them to stay for one year and we promise to turn it all around or you can go after that, you know, like, so I think it all depends. Me personally, I, I mean, I, I still value like the unrealistic, uh, goal of like team loyalty, like, you know, like a Derek Jeter, like one, one team, one career kind of thing. But I also understand that, like, in this day and age, it's just not realistic for either side, so. I was looking at Taylor Hall. He's 28, but I was looking at his numbers, and I forgot – well, I didn't forget. I remember his crazy New Jersey year when he had, like, 93 points, but he's always been kind of like a 80-cap point type of a guy, maybe 60, 70 points. So he'll be a big free agent. But when he was in Jersey, he had, like, a 
crazy point streak. I don't know, like 20 games plus. I think it was something stupid, but yeah. Who, who was it? Uh, who was it? I think it was, was it Tyler Sagan that just hit like 14 point streak for the playoffs? Um, or a 14, 14 game point streak. Somebody just hit that. Maybe it's not Sagan. I don't even remember who it was, but God, it was, it was either like the night before last night or the night McKinnon, before that. Actually, I think he had one. Oh, you know what? It's, yeah. That's what it was. It was Nathan McKinnon. And the reason I'm not seeing more about it is because that streak is no longer relevant. Well, it's God, what a, he was a stud. Yeah. So with the avalanche, uh, Jared Bednar, the coach was the Cleveland coach. So it's kind of cool to see him having success in the NHL. Uh, and it's, and I, I keep thinking back to Joe Sackett because, I mean, it was like, what, three years ago? He was like a disaster. The ads are horrible. And now look at him. <laughs> yeah. I, well, what's, you know, it's kind of, they've got their duo in McKinnon and Landeskog kind of the same way that it. Chicago's got, you know, their Taves and Kane. And it was one of those deals where you almost had to just kind of let them, let them get their thing, let them get their skates under them in their, uh, in the early part of their careers. And now that they've become like the duo that they have, I mean, they're such a deep team. They're such a skilled team. I just, I don't see them being anywhere away from the top for very long. I I think too about like Winnipeg just a few years ago, I thought they were going to be a top team for a while and then they kind of already fell off. So We'll see what the abs do. But, yeah, so it looks like I think we're both thinking Tampa and Vegas, right? And then you have Tampa winning it all, or at least in your mind, you would like to see that. I mean, I want Tampa to win it all. It's the closest thing I'm going to come to watching a Rangers Stanley Cup since they're still, like, I mean, I I stopped counting how many former Rangers are in Tampa now. Um, It's a shame. I Actually, I was hoping Vancouver would would get further because I've really enjoyed watching JT Miller kind of become – you know, kind of a budding superstar, speaking of ex-Rangers. But, yeah, I I think Tampa's definitely got the skill. But then again, on paper, so does Vegas. And Dallas does too, but they're more, I don't know, Dallas just feels more like a dark horse to actually win the Cup to me. Oh, yeah. Um, it really, I mean, they, they, they really need to get hot and somebody else needs to get a little bit cool to uh, to make that a reality, I think. They're scorching, but uh, I would think Vegas. I'll say six. I mean, I don't think they're gonna be. In, it's gonna be in five, maybe seven. But I don't know. I keep going. I, ever since the Flame series, I keep kind of. I think Brian said this. He was like, I keep failing to acknowledge Dallas as being as good as they are right now because it just feels weird. Like I keep thinking they're not that great, and then they just keep winning games. But going back to that Flame series, I was like, I think Calgary's gonna win this, and then all of a sudden Dallas. I remember one overtime or I think it was just one overtime game. And then Dallas won that, and I think they pretty much that was it. They kind of uh, won out, and then they took out the abs. But and I, forgive me because I should know this because it was recent. But like, didn't didn't Game Seven wasn't that four nothing Dallas right against the abs? Yeah, uh, no, that was overtime. Or was it? There is a there is a four nothing series. Oh, Islanders that over the that's the, that's the, the one. one. I was, yeah. No, I was thinking of that. But all right, well that makes my point irrelevant uh, <laughs> no but like i mean it is it is true though like the stars you know aren't the sexy team but when you actually look at their line combinations and you look at the the consistency that they're getting from you know at least their top three lines there's no reason they they shouldn't be taken more seriously but they just i think 
I think they they're in the unfortunate position of being in the same conversation as like other sexier options to talk about. So it's kind of kind of the way back in back in like the Democratic primary season, you know, you'd see that like you'd see depending on like what what news coverage you saw, like they'd everybody showed the same polling numbers, but depending on on the station, you'd see like. Bernie Sanders would be like second, but he'd be listed like fifth. And I kind of feel like that's what's going on with the with the stars. Like they're they're being given credit, but not really it's just, too seriously. Yeah. The funny thing to me too is Vegas and Dallas are two of like what felt like half the league to fire coaches. You never I mean, how often do you see two teams fire a coach midseason and then meet up in the Western Conference final? That's just weird. It's it is weird and I think it just has a lot to do with the fact that, like, specifically the Western division seems to be a little bit more competitive than than the Eastern at the moment. Like, I think there's more standout, like, really, like, top-notch teams in the East, uh, you know, like your Boston Bruins, like your Tampa Bay Lightning. And I don't think the Western Conference has has those kind of elite, or at least as, as many elite standout teams. So I think especially for kind of like the middling teams in the Western Conference, you've got a real short leash on, you know, you can't control the fact that you've got, you know, a slumping scorer that's locked up for the next six years, but you can, you can absolutely replace a coach whenever you feel like it. So that's one thing you can control. Yeah. It seems like the NHL continuously recycles coaches and, I would think the Caps would be in on Gallant first and foremost. I keep hearing Peter Laviolette and then Mike Babcock's name keeps popping up. And I don't know what the Caps' philosophies might be as it pertains to coaches, but I can't believe Babcock might get another job after everything that came out about him. Yeah, it sounds like he's become really out of touch uh, with like the way the modern NHL works. And I think that's what got him run out of Detroit in the first place back you know, when that happened. But... It, you know, I don't know. I haven't honestly. I haven't been keeping up as well as I probably could have with with trying to follow where coaches are headed and all that. But I would I would think you're probably right. I mean, I'm surprised that uh, I'm surprised that some coaches aren't on the market that I thought might be. Um, I thought by now we'd have heard a few names pop up um, as you know being newly unemployed. But I'm sure that there will be some sooner than later. Um, trying to think of teams right now that could fire coaches, and I don't know. I know Florida just uh, they got rid of Dale Talon, and Bill Zito will be the new GM down there, and he was the what assistant GM I think in Columbus. I'm sure there'll be some firings with coaches, especially over the next you know month or two. Of oh, what's weird, the the off season, which should be preseason in the regular season. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's it's. I was talking about this last night with my with my dad. I was mentioning it's like so weird to be you know watching hockey and talking about like oh after the off season when the regular season starts up again in what, December or January whatever yeah. it's going to be. Yeah. So it's it's going to be real weird. And uh, have they made it official yet? Have they said whether it's just going to be like a sh- like. Are they just going to condense eighty-two games into a shorter time span, or are they just going to, or are they just going to like over the next three seasons just like slowly try to shift it back by like a month at a time? 
I don't know what the latest is, but what I was hearing, what I think they're trying to do is do 82 in a condensed schedule, kind of like get rid of the All-Star game, get rid of the bye week, and just somehow make 82 games happen between January and, I guess, April. Maybe maybe start the playoffs in, like, later April, maybe. but I just, I don't know. I, mean, I guess they could I'm, do I'm that. I'm thinking about it, like, currently you've got your bye week, but, I mean, teams play between three and four games a week already. So what, are we going to have five Five, right, like, not, regular five-game weeks? Like, that seems, like, not yeah, impossible, but that, that seems like a lot. You're going to... Yeah. And especially considering... I was going to say, especially considering the Olympics are going to be moved up, and then I was like, that's not the Winter Olympics. Yeah, I was... I, I, in, like, preseason, they'll have, like, back-to-back-to-back games, like, once, which is weird enough, but you never see a back-to-back-to-back in the NHL, so I don't know if they would have more back-to-backs or what. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they'd probably have to institute some sort of a... I don't know. They'd probably have to, they'd have to do something with wellness. Yeah. But then I, ju- I just realized that I, I was right. Like this, the 2021 Tokyo Olympics, those are, I can't even remember if those are the Summer Winter Olympics now. Um, I just saw it. Those just, Summer Olympics, right? Uh, yeah, it would have been this year. It'll be next year now. And they said, okay. I believe it's the Summer Olympics. They said, regardless of COVID, it'll, it'll be happening, I guess, next yeah. year. Which, I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, you're, we're kind of... I don't know where we are with COVID. I keep saying this to whoever I'm talking with. I'm like, I have no idea where we are with this. I feel like maybe we're getting better. Who the hell knows? Uh, but I could see how they're at least going to get it back one way or the other next year because it's like, well, we're kind of trying to get back into our mainstream now of everything. And I don't know, but. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm really looking forward to, I would love for, you know, the NHL to start back up in December, January, you know, with some fans at least being able to, to oh, attend yeah. games. I think that'd be great. Um, I know that there have been some positive news items on the, you know, vaccine front, but I haven't really been paying too much attention lately because it's just noise yeah. at this point. But It is all noise, yeah. You know, I, I really am. I, I think it's going to be interesting with uh, football coming back this week. I know that the NFL yeah. is going to have stadiums uh, attended, uh, fans in attendance at like 10. I, I think like at 10 to 15 percent capacity, which I'm my theory is that that is going to look weirder than playing in front of an empty stadium. And Maybe. like because it's one thing if I see, you know, like if you show me like a New England Patriots game and there's nobody at Gillette Field. I'm like, okay, well, I obviously, like, this is because of the pandemic, but, like, if you show me a game where the Patriots are playing in front of, like, 10,000 people, I'm like, oh, uh, why? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This doesn't even look fun. This looks like one of the, it looks like, I don't know, I feel like part of the, especially with football, part of the experience, part of the fun of, of going to a game is like the, the sellout crowd at the stadium, like everybody getting into it like that. Because yeah. honestly, if you've ever been to an NFL game without, without the commentary, it's, it's not as fun. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because like I've never been to an NFL game, but I've been to a couple college games and I'm like, this is so different, like on versus on TV. I mean, anything is, I guess, but yeah, I know what you mean. It's, uh, yeah, I just think, a the, bit different. I think just the nature of the game of football without, I think, I think like, you know, you can, you can watch baseball, hockey, or basketball live without any commentary and it doesn't really feel that weird. But for some reason, football just does. And I think just because there's, 
there's so much that you you take for granted when you're watching on TV where they're like explaining what the referees yeah. are discussing and things like that. And then sometimes you go to a game and you're just left confused um, as to why they haven't snapped the ball in two minutes. I don't know. I like Yeah, like hockey is such a in person sport where in football it's I think especially with the NFL it's more of a TV sport or it does well on TV and with baseball it's like it's cool because you can be there you're not you cannot miss a pitch you could you know look the other way for five seconds and not miss anything or in hockey you just got to stay glued to that puck no matter what TV or other or otherwise yeah I I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the bathroom in the middle of a period knowing that I was going to hear like yeah a goal horn from the, from the men's room and (laughs) there's always just that moment where you're just, your head just drops. You're like, God damn it. Man, that's like that wings caps game back when Detroit was still somewhat relevant. We were at, uh, Oh yeah. That was, that was when, uh, Jimmy Howard Howard got, he, he, he was like out for the rest of the year, like 30 seconds into the game or something. Yeah. He was out. I was. Uh, uh, didn't he give up a goal on the play too? Like, didn't he hurt himself giving he, up a like a bad goal? I think he did yeah, and he was just down. And I'm like, I think he's hurt. And then they had to stretch him off the ice with, I think, a groin injury. And it was, it it wasn't a good day nope. for him. Nope. Uh, nor for the Red Wings, if I recall. I don't. I don't I'm pretty sure the Caps won. Uh, and this was like 2014, so this is like around the time the Wings. This is a while ago. Yeah, yeah. This is around the time the Wings' uh, playoff streak may have ended or been in jeopardy of ending, but they were like right on that cusp of still kind of being somewhat good. But anyway, so have you? Uh, have you been watching the Yankees lately? Uh, not so much watching. I've been, I've been keeping up with the games. Um, I haven't watched much baseball over the last like two weeks, but I, I, I'm just so sick of, I don't know why in, (laughs) in an organization with so much money to throw around, I don't know why it's so hard to keep guys healthy. Like, you know, like they supposedly have the best trainers, the best conditioning coaches, the best, this, the best, that, the best, everything. And I just don't understand how in the span of 24 hours, I got an update that Aaron Judge and his calf were fine. And then less than 24 hours later, Aaron Judge, calf, injured the list. And I was like, what? So it's, it's, what happened? So they started out the year 15 and 6, which was their best start since 03. They're 5 and 13 since. And Toronto is a big series starting tonight because Toronto's in second. New York has got to turn it on now if they're going to be absolutely if they're going to be in this playoff. And so it's kind of like okay, it's a sixty game season. All the typical slow starts and stuff. You know, usually it's like a month in. All right, big deal. We still have four months, but it's the pennant. It's the pennant race right now. And you're talking about Judge and Stanton being out. They're always out. It seems like, which is a shame because Judge is such a a young talent and Stanton's still a beast when he's healthy, but when are they ever healthy? And yeah, I don't understand. And not just the Yankees, but definitely them. I don't understand how it seems to be the same injuries or the same rash of injuries every year. Uh, I don't get it. I mean, I, and whenever a manager like Aaron Boone, or I've seen this with the Cubs, I've seen where he's fine. It's not a big deal. You know, he's probably out for like the next week after that, almost every time. Yeah, and you know, and it's it's weird. There's there's guys like you know Gardner who I think you could shoot him and he'd probably just limp off the field. You know, the guy is such a yeah. such a workhorse. 
I can't even remember the last time he was out for an extended period of time, but, um, but then you've also, and then you got guys like Aaron judge and, you know, John Carlos Stanton, it, he's not by any means the first Yankee big name, big salary player to come in and then spend the majority of his time not playing, looking at you, Ellsbury. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but with Judge, I'm a lot more concerned because I'm, I'm fully aware of the fact that we've got Glaber, we've got Geo, we've got, you know, Luke Voigt, we've got all of these young guys that we're going to have to lock down at some point. So if the Yankees are committed to staying below the salary cap or not salary cap, the luxury tax moving forward, you know, like there comes a time when everybody's rookie deal expires and Aaron judge is going to get paid no matter what happens. So the, I think the urgency for him to be on the field now needs to be there because, you know, I'd love to say that he's going to be like the next 20 year Yankee, but he could easily be out of here in the next few years just because he's going to, he's going to be too expensive. So. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. And what do you think about Aaron Boone? So like, how do you feel about him? I mean, were you a Girardi guy? I was a Girardi guy, but I also thought Girardi was, uh, there were so many times I wanted to see Girardi explode and he didn't. And Aaron Boone, I've never had that problem with. <laughs> like, like from the whole Savages thing last season to, which is still one of my favorite things ever. Uh, <laughs> that was especially like I think I sent you the John Boy video, so he's great at breaking down all these videos. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah, he's I've been watching all these oh, videos no. lately of him. He's perfect with that stuff. And, and I mean, like especially being able, you know, like I went to a game uh, last last August, right around a few weeks after the whole Savages controversy, and um, you know, it was my bachelor weekend, so I was pretty good and good and tanked, but. All I all I could do all day at the game, I was like, "They're fucking savages." <laughs> but uh, no, I I I'm a big Boone guy. Um, obviously, there's the soft spot that will always be there in my heart for Aaron Boone because of 2003. But at the same time, I love just how even when he's not even a little bit right even when he is completely in the wrong, he goes so hard uh, in defending his players and coming to his players' aid. He will rip the head off, you know, Manfred, if it need be, to, you know, to protect one of his guys. And I think that's the kind of energy you want from a manager. And I, that's the kind of guy that I would follow into battle. So, Yeah, he's got his guys for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, it's so weird because... Well, like I said, the 60-game season kind of makes it so random anyway with, you know, the slow starts here or there and the injuries don't help. But we'll see how it plays out because it's going to be a 16-team playoff. So right now I think New York's the eighth seed or would be the eighth seed. And I, I, I forgot about this, but I believe the top three, I think it's the top three playoff teams based on record get to pick their own opponent in the playoffs, which is really weird. But we'll see how that plays out. I remember watching one of the early games of the season where they – had Manfred on during the during the game and they they had even asked him they're like all right so correct us if we're wrong but like this is the playoff structure right and even then the guys broadcasting the game on ESPN he was like 
uh, no, that's not it at all. <laughs> and uh, he explained it, but I've already forgotten because it's overly complicated in my opinion. So I'm just going to, I've, I've officially gotten to the point where like the only thing I'm paying attention to as far as like the playoffs are concerned is like, I'm just keeping an eye on the Yankees win record to make sure that they get in in the first place. Uh, and then from there, it's whoever is up is up. I think, I think, you know, in a, in a, especially when you get, you know, into like the seven game series territory, I think in a seven game series, the Yankees are going to beat most teams most times. Um, you know, they had a real clunky series against the Mets, uh, where they didn't look really good at all. But, you know, even after a series like that, that's only four games. You give them like a full seven-game series, and, you know, the law of averages says that their bats are going to wake up here or there. You know, their arms are going to wake up. Something's going to happen because they're, they're really a team whose biggest enemy is themselves. And I think the same can be said about a team like, you know, a team like the Dodgers, for instance, who have all the potential in the world and they just need to get out of their own freaking way. Yeah, it'd be funny if the Dodgers still somehow got to the World Series and lost or just missed it completely. But I don't know about you, but uh, so I've been getting into the Fernando Tatis train. I mean, like, I love how he hit a grand slam against the Rangers like earlier, what, a couple weeks ago. Hits a grand slam against the Rangers Chris Wood on a 3-0 pitch, and you never see that. You always see them take a 3-0 pitch. And Chris Woodward, the Rangers manager, is like, oh, I didn't like that he that our opponent, you know, hit the ball, did his job, hit the ball, hit a grand slam on a 3-0. He's not supposed to do that. It's an unwritten rule. It's like, well, if you don't want him to hit a 3-0 pitch, either don't throw him a 3-0 pitch or pitch better. Don't give up a grand slam. And I, I completely agree. I think, you know, I think there's some misplaced anger there because, A, it's embarrassing. Uh, yeah. if nothing else, it's really embarrassing to, to get taken for a ride the way they did. But, but, you know, if you want to place blame, you know, on a three Oh pitch, you know, why are you giving him a pitch to, to yeah. absolutely crush? I mean, it's one thing to give a guy a hittable pitch on a three Oh count, usually something, you know, lower portion of the strike zone, maybe a little inside something that's like relatively safe. But I, yeah, I can't help you if you if you lay it out for the guy and he and he crushes it, you know. I and then he and then you know his, his teammate Eric Hosmer is like uh, to the Rangers uh, dugout. He's like, we'll take care of it. We'll fix this. And you see him talking to him on the in the dugout, and Tatis looks mad. Like I just hit a grand slam, and instead of being happy, I have to pretend like I did the worst thing ever. And then he had to apologize after. And you know, it's not even like it was. An, uh, yeah, I could get. I could get on board if it was an intentional walk situation, right? Where like a guy's like missed the sign or something. Like like if a guy's throw like just clearly it's just a pitch out, right? And then and then and then you know you've seen it in the past where like a pitcher gets lazy and lets one hang a little too close to the strike zone. And a guy reaches out and dings a triple into you know the outfield and and that kind of thing. You know, I still, again, that's on the, that's the responsibility of the pitcher and the catcher to make sure that that isn't, you know, a, a result of, of that. But I could get 
I could get on board with it if it was something like that because I could see that like that's not in the spirit of the game. That's not you know the way that that's not the attitude that baseball is supposed to to convey. But I mean, if you're in a bases loaded situation where they're giving you real pitches, why aren't you taking real swings? Yeah, I mean, you know that by that logic, you're saying, oh, I, you know, if there's nobody on base, should he like feel that he's not allowed to swing at the first pitch? Like, yeah. Should he feel like yeah. he has to wait until it's a two and one count to start swinging? I mean, like if the ball's there, the ball's there. What the pitcher goes three zero, so oh, it's my fault that the pitcher couldn't find the spot the first three times. So let me give, let me, let me give him a strike. No, I'm gonna hit the ball if I see it. Like I, I get most players just take that pitch just because, but it's like because he might walk. But if you see it, you think you can hit it. Hit it. Now there was some. I don't know if this is true or not. There was some speculation, I guess, that maybe. He missed because his own manager even didn't even have his back, which is another astounding thing. But I think maybe he was supposed to take ball four. So if he missed the sign, that's one thing. But who cares? At, at the end of the day, he had a grand slam. And Texas doesn't like it. Don't, you know, don't give up a grand slam. Don't lose 14-3 or whatever it was. Yeah, and I, I do get that. Like, you see that in professional sports where a guy does something great but still gets, you know, catches hell from from his manager or his coach because, like, yeah, like, it turned out fine, but you did exactly what I told you not to do. And I, and I can get that kind of thing, but, you know, I think... I think the, the whole controversy that's come out of it has been so unwarranted because it it really wasn't that big a deal. Like I said, it's not like it was something more egregious where it was, like, a pitch out. It was... You know, he threw him a real pitch, and he took a real swing. The fact that the ball made it out of the park is, you know, just unfortunate, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Like, what do you want me to do? I, you know, it's like the old, uh, the old, like, backyard football, you know, when, somebody, when somebody's like, dude, you know, like, take it easy. You don't have to run the score. They're like, well, if you don't want us to score, then stop us. You know? <laughs> it's like in the NFL. It's like, we'll ship to the NFL real fast. It's like... Uh... You know, if you don't like them dancing in the end zone, don't let them score a touchdown on you. It's that simple. <laughs> yeah, and and the thing is, I don't. I think, I think the way to handle stuff like that is let players police themselves. Uh, and I'm not saying like go full NHL and like allow fistfights to take place on the on the field. But like, if somebody, and that's why I was so glad that the NFL started allowing more, you know, creative, you know, celebrations and stuff because. It's, it's fun to watch as a fan. And honestly, you know, like from a hockey standpoint, if somebody dances around, like you just, you just make them pay for it later. Yeah. You know, like it's like, it's fine. You'll get them back. But if, if somebody burns you, uh, because you miss, you mistimed your jump or something and, and somebody just outruns you and, and makes you just look like a clown and then they dance around in the end zone. Well, I mean, you've, you've got to suck that up. I mean, it's the same, I mean, just like, you know, we were just talking baseball, you know, when, when somebody watches their, their home run for too long, it's, it's their prerogative. You may not appreciate it. And I, and if you want to say something or do something about it, if you want to plunk them the next time they're up for doing that, uh, that's, that's your prerogative. I mean, that's, and if you want to teach somebody a lesson for dancing too, too much in the end zone, you know, Either teach it on the scoreboard or teach it on the field, but right, yeah, you know, handle it. You're all adults; you can handle it yourselves. So, uh, real fast. So, uh, New York Giants. How do you see your team playing out this year? Uh, I see my team disappointing me once again. Uh, I know that they just at least third place, though, right above Washington. Well, the Washington football team. Oh, I love saying that so much. <laughs> I, I, 
I think the Eagles and Cowboys will certainly be uh, in competition to win the division, uh, followed pretty distantly by the Giants and probably the whatever the former Redskins turn out to end up being. But um, I mean, I, we just got rid of DeAndre Baker because apparently in Giants land, first round picks aren't meant to hold value. <laughs> um, well, I mean, pretty much like I, I look back, I was like, you know, Saquon, obviously quality pick, you know, say what you want about whether you take a running back in the first round or not. But like, obviously he's, he's our franchise cornerstone at this point. And I think, I think uh, Daniel Jones is going to be a, a fine quarterback as long as he can keep his fumbling under control. So I'm not, but like, other than those two, like, it seems like the last like eight years of first round picks have just all, you know, like Eric Flowers was going to be great. And then, you know, all, and, and so I don't know. I think, you know, Joe Judge coming in and, and, and shaking things up, I think is going to be good. But I also thought that about Ben McAdoo. And I also thought that about, um, Shermer, Pat Shermer. Yeah. I can even remember his name. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm interested. I'm, I think I'm more interested to see what Jason Garrett does as offensive coordinator. That's right. Because he hasn't been a coordinator for a long time, and I think I think with without having to to focus on everything, with just having to focus on the offense again, I think he could have some of the early Dallas success that he had in New York. So I think that'll be probably the biggest X factor, but. Uh, I mean, the Giants are gonna they're gonna lose most of their games. They're they're a young team. They're really shallow when it comes to their secondary. Even though they just picked up Logan Ryan, which is you know a nice veteran to add, but they're gonna be real shy or, or real shallow in their secondary. They are still gonna have offensive line problems, I think, and uh, I think they're gonna rely heavily on Darius Slayton to have you know a breakout second uh, season. Um, because I think this is going to be a receiving heavy team when it comes to, you know, playmaking. Do you think the uh, NFL plays all 16 this year? Not a chance. Now, between players opting out, I mean, players are still day by day. You're hearing about like this guy here, this guy there, are all opting out. Oh, is there? I, I don't even know. I like, I realized, I realized like three days ago that this was, that this coming week was week one. And I, they just, you know, I think the NHL, like we said before, has done such a great job of creating the two bubble cities. And the NFL has tried to create 32 bubbles, which is a lot harder to do. And I think Roger Goodell is just trying to steamroll this through. I think his, his thing is like, no, we will be playing football. Like, we're not canceling NFL football we're not doing that. I don't think that's an option in his mind, but I think that's going to, you know, I think baseball is taking coronavirus far more seriously than football is. And, you know, every few days we have to postpone another baseball game and, you know, and, and the NFL, I mean, you're talking, you're not postponing a game, you're postponing weeks. So I, I think the season, I think they'll play enough games to, to have playoffs. And I, like, I think that there will be, you know, a, a full season in the sense that somebody will walk away the Super Bowl champion, but I can't say confidently that there will be 16 completed games. Yeah, like with baseball, 
I'm actually impressed that it's, I, I had doubts I was even going to finish because we saw St. Louis and Miami. But for the most part, baseball has been all right in kind of managing this. But I do think they have to have a bubble for the playoffs. And then with hockey, it's been awesome. The NBA, same thing. And I also like, going back to TV for a second, I think the uh, NHL bubble looks really cool even on TV, just with all the, the screens and all that. With baseball, it's just weird seeing the emphases for the most part. The empty seats, uh, the, the empty seats for baseball, I was actually kind of excited about because I remember a few years ago when they had to play some empty uh, fanless games at, at Camden Yards because of everything that was, yeah, everything that was going on in Baltimore at the time. Um, I remember being really bummed out that the games were blacked out because I was like, I've never seen a game played in an empty stadium before, at least except for the Tigers, you know? So, <laughs> uh, yeah, or like the uh, Reeds or the Marlins, yeah, yeah, they're just 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 bashing AL rivals. Um, so, so I thought that it was cool to finally get that experience. It's and it's certainly better than those like CGI fans that they experimented with in the first game of the season that were so terrifying to look at. But I don't know. I think I think the NHL, and I'm always so biased, but I think the NHL has done the best at like. They're set up for, you know, being in a, in a big arena uh, just looks the coolest to me. I think, I think it just looks. Yeah, it does. I think they did such a great job with it. And I, I also like the way that the NBA has done it with their kind of wall of virtual fans. It, and, you know, that's, that's given it its own kind of different flavor as well. And I think they've both done a good job. But the NHL, it just seems like the, the one thing that the NHLs, because it, instead of like kind of closing everything in the way that the NBA has, which is, you know, equally effective. One thing that the NHL did was like, they kind of used this big empty space of the arena to create this larger than life kind of monolithic, you know, these big screens behind it. It's almost like a, it's almost like a video game level. And uh, I, I just think it looks so cool. I think if I was a player, I would be really excited to, to, I'd be bummed out about no fans, obviously, but I'd be really excited to kind of be showcased in that way, that, especially the way that they've been able to use the camera angles. It's been a lot of fun to watch as a fan. So I had something I was going to bring up about the NHL, and I can't even remember what it was now. That rigged draft lottery. I mean, I the Rangers winning the draft lottery, I mean, we didn't, obviously, Jack Hughes is a devil, but like the Rangers getting Capo Caco and then winning the, Frenier, the Lafreniere uh, sweepstakes is to me and and my dad went just sh- got just up to the line and stopped just shy of of calling it suspect uh all he would say is that the nhl really wants the rangers to be a successful franchise and i agree with him 100 percent. the nhl always likes to see a successful original six team well at least it's not pittsburgh or toronto well yeah <laughs> but i just i i think the whole tinfoil hat thing about it being rigged. Uh, I think it was definitely set up in a way that like certain teams were kind of engineered to have good odds. Well, I just thought it was weird the way they had the top team. It was a, it was going to be a basically a playoff team or at least a qualifying round team where it's like you already had the first several teams. Why, why didn't the first pick, you know, why couldn't it just be a team that didn't make it? Like, I mean, I don't care if the Rangers got it, that's fine. Uh, they were, were within their right, like any other team in that in that scenario. It's just weird to me how they set it up the way they did, though, as far as that top team being a qualifying round team. 
Well, you know, I think one of the things is, you know, even though it is a lottery, uh, I think it's important to remember when you get a lotto ticket, you still have to pay for that lotto ticket. And I think, I think the, in the way the NHL approached it, whether it was the right thing or the wrong thing, I think they were thinking like qualifying for this expanded playoffs, which did include the majority of the league. I mean, um, that was your like being able to qualify for that round of games that was your price for your lotto ticket and then you know once you're in the lotto you get what you get you know but i think that's that's kind of the 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 mindset but i also do see where you know there there's definitely a a case to be made for teams that that's right Yes, like Detroit, who who didn't make it, and also like are getting no benefit from the draft this year. Um, it's just so funny how that happened, though. I mean, in a way, and in a good and bad way. Like, it's kind of funny because Detroit used to just dominate the league for decade a decade plus, and now it's like, ha, look at you now. Well, you know, that's. I think it's a it's a cautionary tale about what happens when you get comfortable with a veteran dynasty. Um, you know. It took the Celtics a long time to, to get back after, you know, they won uh, with Kevin Garnett and all those guys because, you know, when everybody on a championship team is, you know, in their 30s, eventually that team is going to break up. And, I mean, like, that's what happened with the Detroit Red Wings. That's what, we're, what we've seen over the last couple seasons with the, you know, what used to be the the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, like, you look at, you look at their core, and it's still there. You know, Duncan Keith... Corey Crawford, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Sharp, or not Patrick Sharp, Patrick Kane. Um, although Patrick Sharp does give them a ton of like just blatant, like like ex teammate love on NBC, and and not not in a not in a douchey way. Like I, I actually kind of think it's it's like endearing, but um, and his stars were yeah, still like, in it too for that one year there. Yeah, so I, I think. I think that's what happens. You know, you, you have an aging team that was so dominant for so long. I think it's, it's, it's starting to happen in Pittsburgh, too. You know, Latang is getting older. Crosby, even though it seems impossible to say, is starting to get a little bit older. And, and at a certain point, you need to, to remember to keep your focus shifted on the, the prospect pool. And in that respect, the Rangers are, are good. <laughs> Yeah, it's just funny to me how teams like Detroit and Ottawa were, you know, it's like you're not getting the first pick. You miss the playoffs, but you'll be you'll be fine with the second pick or, or you know, beyond that. Tim, thanks for uh, coming on to the pod today. This was awesome. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. This is a blast. I am. I feel like I've I've grown as a podcaster in that I've now been on a podcast <laughs> Thanks again to my guy, Tim Quickly, for coming on to the Cutting to the Chase podcast. I will have a few more podcasts hopefully coming up this weekend. So definitely be sure to check those out and I will see you all soon.